You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com, your one-stop shop for all your Fresno State athletic news. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Arik, uh, being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Good. Hanging in there. It looks like, you know, it's been quite a while since we've done a podcast, but I think we've just been trying to kind of recharge our batteries a little bit after <laughs> the off season there. And, you know, things are starting to pick up uh, again for recruiting um, as we're hitting the recruiting period today. Uh, and well, there's a couple of people, a couple of, uh, recruits who signed the dotted line and that had made their commitments public this morning. And so Jackson, why don't we start off with, with the running back Dixon, uh, out of Nevada. He's one that Fresno state was really high on during the season. And we're really pushing to, to kind of go after, um, and you and I, you know, we heard that they were really making a push for him. Uh, and if they got him that he would be probably the only running back they were going to take in this class and it looks like that's what's what's happened what's your thoughts on on this um, um commitment from from dixon yeah you know fresno state fans should be pretty familiar with uh, peyton dixon at this point he actually committed on the early signing day uh, the first wave that fresno state got to sign recruits but he did not sign and he had not been on an official visit so there was some speculation maybe he would be a blue shirt which not to get too complicated, this is kind of a, a weird rule, but if you don't take an official visit, they can manipulate the scholarship numbers a little bit to help bring in more recruits, but Fresno State didn't want to take any chances on losing him in that process, um, and uh, Dixon has certainly been getting some interest, so they did their best. They brought him in on an official visit this past weekend and uh, signed him up, and I mean, yeah, great news for Fresno State. Uh, this is a guy who you look at the stats, had well over 3,000 yards um, and an insane number of touchdowns. It was near 50, I believe. And uh, it's an area of Nevada that doesn't get recruited very hard. So for Fresno State to look up and down California and then look at Dixon and evaluate him out in Reno, he was at the top of their running back board in this year, and they went after him and they got him, which is always you know best case scenario if you're Fresno State. But I think he's also going to be a really big steal. I think if he had been in Tulare Union, even maybe he blows up like Casimir Allen, maybe not to the extent, but very close. Uh, as we know, Casimir Allen at Tulare Union uh, was kind of on the border there until his last couple months of his senior year where all of a sudden here comes the Pac-12 and he's at UCLA. So I think Fresno State, you know, they didn't get Casimir Allen last year, but they got someone that may, be, may rival his uh, abilities. Not quite the top-end speed, but, I mean, you look at Dixon's tape, there's just a lot of things that really stand out. A complete back, he's got the shiftiness and he's got the size. And you can see why Fresno State's only taken one running back in this class. He can pretty much do it all. And despite Ronnie Rivers and Jordan Mims coming back next year, I would not be the least bit surprised if Dixon doesn't get some carries as a freshman. Yeah, this one, this one right here is a no-brainer. I mean, if you watch the film on this guy, um, he's pretty uh, one of those really elusive backs that uh, has the size, but can can really make a move on you and just and get into open field. Um, and it's it's a good very good pickup for for the bulldogs um and uh, i don't know jackson i think uh, uh, that's something that the bulldogs this year seemed that their running back depth they had quite a bit of running backs <laughs> but it didn't seem like it was all that deep as far as the talent was concerned at some point this season uh, it, with dixon there he, he could be pushing for some playing time right jackson yeah, it seemed like you know we went into this season thinking, or this past season, we think you have Ronnie Rivers, Jordan Mims, Josh Hokett, and I mean that's a big three of running backs. And then Dejounte O'Neal, who played a senior year last year, was always in the mix too. Uh, Hokett went through injuries, Mims went through injuries, Rivers went through injuries, and it all kind of happened at different times of the year. So I don't think we really ever truly saw the whole group at full strength. But I think what we did find out at the end of the year is that Ronnie Rivers went 100%. is basically capable of handling the load himself the way he played in the Vegas Bowl and at times in the uh, Mountain West Championship, of course, with the game-winning touchdown in Boise. Um, so Rivers and Mims, I think, are your one-two punch right now. We'll see what happens with Josh Hokett. Uh, he's certainly 
took a back seat as a more limited role as the season went on last year and maybe you know who, who knows maybe he goes back to defense where there's more of a need next year that's i think that's a possibility and then here comes um peyton dixon who i think can you know even be inserted right away uh doesn't have to be a huge role uh, for a freshman. If he's getting a handful of carries of games, that can make a difference. Or maybe if it, there's just not enough room to go around, he gets those four games in next year and keeps that year as a redshirt. Now, with the departure of the, the top linebackers for Fresno State, do you honestly think Hokit is going to remain at a, as a running back or maybe switch over to defense uh, permanently? Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one in the spring, and even if he's going to be available, because I mean, him and the wrestling team are kicking butt right now. If if you haven't been paying attention to the wrestling program, it seems like they've really turned the corner in the last month or so. And Josh Hokett's a big part of that. He's nationally ranked, and um, you know, even turning his focus to wrestling is part of it as well. Um, but we'll see. His carries really diminished this past year at running back, and if he's only going to touch the ball a few times. Why not put him at a position of need and you could still get him in on short yardage carries? Yeah, so it's going to be interesting what they do with Hokit, um, especially you know now that they bring in Dixon, who is more than capable of of taking some of that uh, that play time, uh, and and looks like he could also develop into more of a hard nosed uh, running back as well. That they might just move Hokit altogether over to defense and just kind of try to pick up the slack at that linebacker position. That let's let's be honest, a lot of talent just left this past season. So uh, that's something that they're going to have to kind of try and, and figure out um, moving forward. So another player that signed this morning is uh, goes by the name of Schmidt, and he's an offensive lineman. Uh, one of those that uh, Fresno State really needs to to kind of fill the gaps in the position at that position the offensive line how big of a pickup is schmidt going to be moving forward uh to to develop yeah alex bula schmidt <laughs> he's a, a three-star recruit and certainly a really nice pickup at this stage of the game um as you'll soon find out this is largely where our national signing day announcements end <laughs> the bulldogs only signed two up to this point uh, on wednesday morning and there could be more additions, but uh, we've seen the Fresno State more so even than other schools really got ahead of the game, signed their recruits in December. Uh, last year was the first time that was an availability, and uh, about 75% of recruits signed in December of last year's recruiting cycle. That number jumped up even higher to about 85%, according to our database at 24-7. So it's kind of slim pickings right now at this stage of the game. And to get a three-star recruit like Schmidt at a position of need is a pretty impressive way to go about it to close out the class. Uh, Schmidt was identified as a three-star recruit pretty early in the process, but out there in Washington and Seattle where... You know, if you're not quite a Power Five, Pac-12 kind of recruit, you maybe it's harder to get risk, uh, the next level of schools to come out there. Um, it's either the Pac-12 or the Mountain West, and outside of Boise State, there's not much of a representation in the Northwest. So that's when you see a lot of these guys get picked up in the Big Sky, and how Eastern Washington and uh, North Dakota State have become powerhouses at the FCS level. So fortunately, Fresno State identified him. It's going to bring him in, and um, kind of a connection with some coaching changes as well that's going to bring him in uh offensive line coach at idaho state roman sapalu uh commit or recruited alex schmidt got him to commit to idaho state just about a week and a half ago and then reports came out that sapalu was coming to fresno state in a coaching position so uh, not a surprise uh, within about 10 days schmidt is also going to make that flip from idaho state to fresno state and uh, definitely looks like a player that was under the radar. Um, you know, he was in the Polynesian Bowl, which is not an easy thing to get into. That's a high school all-star game out in Hawaii. That's really top of the top kind of player. So a good way for Fresno State to close things out. And really, Fresno State didn't recruit the offensive line at all in December. They only had one target who they couldn't seal the deal on. So Schmidt becomes the first Fresno State offensive lineman in this 2019 class, perhaps the only if it works out that way. And while Fresno State brings back a lot of young talent, it is nice to have at least one player in this class that uh, is a legitimate guy for the future. 
Yeah, and, and, and really, Fresno State really needs to start kind of picking up some of those offensive linemen to kind of start developing them for the future because I think after this season, there's going to be quite a few of the core members going to be gone again, right, Jackson? Yeah, this past Bulldog team that took the Bulldogs to the Mountain West Championship and the Las Vegas Bowl, there were four seniors on that offensive line. And the Bulldogs, of course, they get Natane Muti back next year, which is going to instantly replace one of those four spots. But the Bulldogs are relying a lot going forward on some of their underclassmen that have been progressing, and it's going to be time for them to step up next year. And there's not, I mean, that's already the next wave. So now you already got to start developing beyond that. And Schmidt's a guy, you know, maybe even as a center, which we have him listed at 24 7 sports, where the Bulldogs don't, that's probably the position they're most. Uh, uncertain at at this point where last year you had Marcus Boyer and Micah St. Andrew handle those duties and both of those guys graduate so um, Schmidt fills an interior spot of need and has some experience at center which uh, is going to be valuable. Now it's going to be interesting to see how they they start to develop some of these offensive linemen I mean uh, you know there's a lot of talent gone and so for these players to kind of step up it's going to be it's going to be interesting to watch especially at the season opener against USC where some of these guys are going to be pretty fast coming at them so we're going to we're going to see how that starts to develop uh, but that's pretty much where it ends as far as who ended up signing this morning. There are, a, a, however, a couple other players that are on the radar that could potentially sign by the end of the day today. Um, let's start off, Jackson, with Evan Williams, the three-star safety. Uh, what's your overall thoughts on on him and the possibilities that he might even sign with the, with the Bulldogs? Yeah, um, right now there's no news, and I'd say that's good news. Uh, most players that are signing have been announced at this point of the day. Um, Evan Williams is a player who did not officially visit Fresno State. He was offered uh, about 10 days before National Signing Day or so, pretty a pretty quick turnaround. So he did come check out Fresno State, but it was as an unofficial visit. And if he commits to the Bulldogs, he will be a blue shirt, as I had discussed earlier. So he, Fresno State, if they get him, he will not be officially announced by the program, but he'll be all but certain to join Fresno State in the fall. So we should find out this afternoon where he stands. Uh, a three-star recruit that had um, an offer from originally from Illinois where his brother was playing at. His brother's no longer there, so that kind of is off the table at that point. And uh, had Air Force, had a bunch of Ivy League schools, a bunch of big sky schools after him. So we'll see if Fresno State can land him. That would be uh, He would be the fifth defensive back in this class, and he would rank second out of that group by the 24-7 sports composite ranking. So... Uh, I mean, more depth at defensive back and uh, one of the better ones in this class if they can get him. Now, that that's a position. Uh, the defensive backs is an area that Fresno State has always struggled with in the past, but recently have become it's become their strength that their defense has been the defensive backs. Uh, how big of a fit is uh, would Ryan Williams, Evan Williams, be should they land him there? Yeah, um, well, obviously he's very smart to have the Ivy League opportunities that he's got. He visited Columbia late in the process, uh, so that's on the table, which is always nice to have in a safety. Um, he has his, probably his biggest asset is ball skills. He was a, a pretty solid receiver out of uh, St. Francis High School around the Bay Area. Um, he was utilized probably even more so as a receiver on this team than a defensive back, but he's got all the the talents necessary as a safety, but with that added ball skill to come down and get interceptions and that kind of stuff, which we saw from Mike Bell and Juju Hughes last year. And uh, we should see from Juju Hughes again going forward. But with Bell out of the picture, the Bulldogs need an answer at the other safety position. Uh, it's hard to see one of the true freshmen taking it, but uh, Williams is someone that could certainly become a player down the line. Now, uh, another player that's also on the radar that could end up signing possibly with the Bulldogs, uh, he's he's trying to narrow down his his final four choices, uh, goes by the Paul, by the name of Paul Montavo Paoli. Don't hold me to that. That's the best I can do. Jackson knows. We, we're both been debating on how to pronounce that. That's what we're going to stick with for now until somebody else tells us otherwise. Uh, but he is an offensive lineman, and he could potentially you know, bolster a Fresno State's recruiting class should they be able to land him. What, what do you know about him, Jackson? Yeah, um, you know, right now it's looking maybe a, a little bit of a long shot for Fresno State to get him. 
Um, he, the Bulldogs did make his top four. That's half the battle right there. Uh, but he's considering Baylor, uh, Kansas, Oregon State. So he's got some Power Five options. Uh, Fresno State's the one Group of Five school in there. And you never know. I mean, he's been one of these guys that just keeps getting these late offers by bigger schools, and maybe someone shows up in the the last hour here for for him as a late last chance opportunity. But uh, if Fresno State can get him, he would be one of the top recruits in this class. It would lift Fresno State all the way to potentially second in the Mountain West in the rankings. They're at fifth right now. Um, so he would be a, a monumental get for this class if they can get him. Uh, just a kind of a different tier recruit than Schmidt is, but uh, both in that three-star category. And uh, we're going to have to keep a, a watch on him. He'll decide on Wednesday evening. And, um, again, it looks like uh, he may be leaning towards Baylor. Yeah, that uh, that could probably be where he ultimately ends up. But if should the Bulldogs land him, that could be a great addition uh, to the offensive line, uh, which could help bolster that 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 second tier group of unex- inexperienced offensive linemen that the Bulldogs are sorely needing to develop for the upcoming season. Um, but that being said, now with the addition of Dixon and Schmidt to the recruiting class, Jackson, your overall thoughts of this incoming. Uh, 2000 what 2019 uh, recruiting class what's your overall thoughts on this class yeah it's a solid class um, right now as I mentioned the the team's in fifth in the Mountain West and the margin is, is pretty slim um, if they land uh, Poilie it looks like right now with the latest updates probably would be a third place finish uh, otherwise they're probably going to end up in fifth um, but there's other factors that go into it other than the calculations that come up with those numbers uh, of the top five in the Mountain West. Fresno State has the smallest class, so they're taking a hit in that aspect. Um, and they also have the second highest, I believe, make that third, of average recruit ranking. So um, on the average, they're getting, you know, they're not settling for any recruits here. And I think that's most evident with the three-star ratio. Uh, this is a historic class in terms of landing three-star recruits. Typically, it's a, even an even split with three-star and two-star guys. This Fresno State class has 15 three-stars and one two-star. And if you go towards our own 24-7 sports analysis, uh, guys like Brandon Huffman and them, they, they're the ones that have Jalen Cropper as a four-star recruit. So that's even more impressive in that aspect. Um just overall, it's hard to remember a class that has been this solid from top to bottom. Uh, even the bottom half of the class has guys that should anticipate battling for playing time sooner rather than later. And this is a group that could potentially pass up some of the recruits that we've seen in the last two years by this staff. And we'll see if that can continue to snowball in future years. If Fresno State continues to have I mean, double-digit win seasons, uh, it should continue to let the Bulldogs uh, trend upwards and maybe land more guys like Cropper in the future. Yeah, this could be an interesting uh, group of kids coming in, uh, and like you said, it could it could ultimately be one of their better classes and start uh, and start to kind of uh, make waves into uh, you know some of those starting roles sooner rather than later. Um, but a lot of it is attributed to uh, to one of uh, Fresno State's recruiters, uh, Kirby Moore. Um, and there's, there's talks that he may be the, the top recruiter of the mountain West this year. What's your, what's your take on that, Jackson? Yeah. Uh, you know, a cool feature we've got on 24 seven sports is the primary recruiters for all these, uh, players and secondary recruiters too. They get credit, uh, they get points. It's on a, a calculated scale of where each assistant coach stands, uh, within the conference. And right now, Kirby Moore is in the top of the Mountain West. Um, you know, there could be some updates here on National Signing Day. I know Boise State has a really good class, and maybe some of those coaches aren't all the way up to date. But as things currently stand right now, Kirby Moore is number one in the conference. And part of that is uh, the need that Fresno State had. They brought in four receivers in this class, so uh, he had opportunities to bring in more recruits than most assistants would. And the other part of it was that he was very successful in the four that he went after. Of course, Jalen Cropper, uh, the top of the class, that was a big get. 
Um, and then Jamal Glasby, Carrick Wheatfall, and Josh Kelly round out the last uh, three guys of that four-man group. All three of those guys are three-star recruits and um, you know, not at the, the same level of Cropper, but they're not at the bottom tier of the three-star level either. So they're, he's getting a lot of points for that. Remember, this is the assistant coach that brought in Amorie Edwards just a, a year prior. So, uh, I mean, impressive recruiting by Coach Kirby Moore. And it looks like Fresno State's going to be able to hang on to him for at least another year. So, uh, I mean, all around, nothing but positive as, as far as Coach Moore and the wide receivers group goes at Fresno State. Now, I'm not the only one who's a little bit surprised that Kirby Moore is still there this year and no one's <laughs> come in and kind of poached him. There has, however, been other kind of coaching changes happening at Fresno State. What more can you tell us about what's what has happened? The coaches who've left, you know, your your thoughts on on the whole you know coaching carousel that is always happening year in and year out. Yeah, uh, Fresno State survived the initial wave, and then in January it came around again, and they took some hits. Uh, most notably, offensive coordinator Kalen DeBoer. That's a tough one. Um, you know, frankly, he was getting compensated pretty well here in terms of Mountain West assistance. As the offensive coordinator, he was making close to four hundred thousand dollars, which, um, I mean, he was uh, that's near the tops <laughs> as far as you can ask for at Fresno State. But uh, he gets an opportunity at Indiana for double the money at eight hundred thousand as an offensive coordinator, and. It's a move where you say Indiana Hoosiers, you don't think football powerhouse by any means. And it's I kind of anticipated him being a Mac head coach or a head coach somewhere in the Midwest where he's had all sorts of success. University of Sioux Falls had uh, NAIA national championships. It uh, was offensive coordinator at Eastern Michigan and Southern Illinois, I believe. So he's got a lot of roots out that way. And the interesting thing, um, as offensive coordinator of Indiana, uh, he's going to make more than, I think, at least 10 out of the 12 Mac head coaches. So, I mean, <laughs> why even take that step in your coaching career when you can stay as a coordinator and make more? Um, and have so, less responsibilities. Exactly. So, uh, I wouldn't be surprised now if maybe he becomes a head coach at the Big Ten level, maybe within the next five to 10 years. But it's going to have to come with success at Indiana, which doesn't come easy uh, as far as their football program goes. Yeah, and, that, that's true. Yeah. And then uh, on the defensive side, Bulldogs lose coach Jamar Kane at defensive line. Um, he was a, a coach that really revamped Fresno State's D-line not only once but twice and deserves a whole ton of credit for leading that charge. Um uh, he inherited a group in 2017 that had a lot of upperclassmen that had not done anything and really produced a stellar defensive line and was one of the better uh, run-stopping teams and a team that got a lot of tackles for loss in the backfield. And then they lost virtually all of those players before this past season, 2018. And the big question was, is the D-line going to be able to allow the rest of the returning starters on defense to continue to be so successful? And that answer came pretty quickly. It was not a doubt. Fresno State's defensive line was never a problem. Michael Walker became one of the Bulldogs' biggest stars at defensive end. So uh, tough to lose Coach Kane. Um, But he takes the job at Arizona State. And uh, the Bulldogs should see about three new faces on staff next year. Wow. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Well, it, you know, if, if the Boar can actually survive at, uh, at Illinois or, or, or Indiana, sorry, not Illinois, Indiana, you know, and actually turn that offense around there's going to be plenty of job opportunities as a head coach. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I agree with you. Probably somebody from the Big Ten, if if he has that kind of success as an offensive coordinator at Indiana, it, it can really open up a lot of doors for him because that is not an easy place to turn anything around. <laughs> Indiana has not had much luck as a football program for the last few years. So, yeah, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, but we'll we'll see what, what happens uh, moving forward, especially here at Bulldogs with the Bulldogs as they continue to kind of uh, figure out their coaching situation uh, here at Fresno State. Yeah, they've got. It uh, looks like we've kind of tentatively got the faces that are probably going to fill those spots. Um, we've got more updates on the premium board, um, 
but every some some of the stuff's kind of out there. Some of the stuff's not quite out there, and we've got a pretty good grasp on how this is going to shake out. But probably won't hear anything official until spring football comes around, maybe in the next month or so. Yeah. So if you want all the latest uh, rumors, or even some of some of the tips that we've gotten but haven't really made public. Premium boards is where you want to be uh, if that's your thing as to finding out before anybody else. So uh, if you haven't done so already, become a premium member and you can get some of the inside scoop that we uh, pick up uh, along the way. Um, That, moving forward, just recently, the football schedule has already been announced. It's like, wow, it feels like it was just (laughs) yesterday that the the season ended, and now they already have the season schedule out, which... uh, I believe is probably one of the earliest that they've ever released it, right, Jackson? Yeah, usually it doesn't come out till the first of March. That's been the case the last two years, so uh, almost a full month ahead of schedule here. Yeah, so that's going to be, uh, you know, we've got that posted up on the schedule, and if you don't mind, Jackson, run through it. Tell, tell us what you what you think about this schedule. Yeah, um, so we already knew how things were going to shake out to begin the year. Um, <laughs> USC. <laughs> yeah, they're going to USC to start things out. And uh, the Road Trojans, they, yeah, <laughs> I'm excited for that one. Uh, they come off a uh, five and seven year, so this isn't the strongest um, USC team by any means, but they're always locked and loaded with a lot of talent. Uh, we'll just see if that talent can overcome all the controversy and uh, noise coming in that program right now. A lot of people aren't happy that the coaching staff's still in place. There's been lots of coaches, assistants moving in and out this offseason and a lot of uh, players transferring out. So we will see which USC team shows up by the 31st of August, and we'll also have to wait and see what Fresno State is all about in 2019 because we're going to have a lot of new faces uh, to keep track of out there. Now, when the season ended, there was a lot of USC fans who were uh, were afraid of Fresno coming in there. But with all the recent changes that Fresno State have had, not only with coaching staff, but also with, with top players leaving for the NFL draft, how does that outlook now starting to look? Yeah, I would say last year's Fresno State team would have totally outclassed last year's USC team. Now things get a lot more even. And on paper, USC should be way more talented, but... As you know, that's not always the case. Of course, the Bulldogs went to UCLA and dominated. They played Arizona State and won that game in the Vegas Bowl. So um, it's not always just about on-paper talent by any means. No, and Fresno State has proven that year in and year out. (laughs) Uh, So then following USC, the Bulldogs are back home from Minnesota. We knew that would be the home opener. Uh, There was an open spot the following week on September 14th, and we now know that it will remain open. It'll be a bye week uh, for the Bulldogs to regroup from those two Power 5 games. And then again, two more games we knew of already. They'll host Sacramento State on September 21st, and then they'll go to New Mexico State uh, on September 28th, one that some people have been scratching their heads on why the Bulldogs are going there. Um... It's a part of a home-and-home. The New Mexico State Aggies are independent right now, so they've been really scrambling for scheduling games, and Fresno State was willing to do a home-and-home with them. So we'll see New Mexico State back in Bulldog Stadium in 2020. And here's where the announcement comes into play. Uh, Conference play will begin two weeks after that. The Bulldogs will have a second bye. Uh, Bizarre, they'll have two byes in the first six weeks of the season which is odd, and uh, but the one good thing about it, even though the Bulldogs won't have a bye during conference play, that bye comes before the season opener at Air Force, which is a team you really want as much time to prepare for as possible. <laughs> they run that triple option offense, and uh, they're pretty much the only team in the Mountain West right now that does it, so this coaching staff hasn't really seen it. New Mexico's gotten away from it in the last two years that the Bulldogs played them, so... This is going to be kind of uncharted territory, and uh, Air Force is usually, they're not always one of the top teams in the Mountain West, but they're always capable week in and week out. Uh, Bulldogs get two home games, UNLV and Colorado State back-to-back. Then they travel to Hawaii, and then they are largely at home the rest of the month of November. They'll host a marquee game against Utah State on November 9th. They will have a road trip to San Diego State, 
They'll be back for Nevada for senior night, and then they'll head to San Jose State for the season finale. So the last four games of the season will all be in California. Um, and fortunately, we have good weather here in California, so they should still be easy road trips in the month of November, even late in the month of November. So, um, yeah, that's how things shake out and just kind of digesting now where the bright spots and kind of the inconvenient spots are for the Bulldogs now at this point. Yeah, so that's going to be uh, that's the that's the schedule for this this year. Now, the question is, Jackson, why the two open spots? Could the Bulldogs have filled one of those spots with someone? Was it more uh, they couldn't find someone to schedule or they just wanted to take a break? Uh, well, this is a season usually – well, I think last year there was only one bye week available unless you played the week early in the season. And this year is just the year it shakes out. The way the schedule is, there's openings for two bye weeks. And um, you'll notice the Mountain West Championship game this year is going to be played on December 7th, which is almost a full week after the December 1st date. I believe they played this past season. So things are kind of just shifted back a little bit. They're extended by a week. And Fresno State could have scheduled a 13th game because they are playing at Hawaii this year. Uh, But uh, it may have been a little bit too late. You know, a lot of other conferences, they schedule their seasons out two three years in advance when you're looking at like the big 10 as an example and it's just kind of hard to find games at the last minute and i guess technically they could still but the chances are probably close to zero that since they've already announced the schedule it's pretty much final at this point um so they could have filled one of those two spots but it probably would have been a tough ask and there's no guarantee that would have been at home. You know, do you want to send your team out for a seventh road game? How much sense does that make? So, um, and frankly, the way the Fresno State's been playing the last two years, they, uh, there's a good chance they'll be in the Mountain West Championship and a bowl game again. So, if you play 13 games, you might have 15 by the end of it. So, I think Fresno State's going to be fine with 12 here. You know, it's it's exciting for the fans to see that many games, but not so much for the team themselves, <laughs> especially if they have to go on the road for an additional game. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, it gives the Bulldogs a lot of rest up front, um, which they could have probably used that bye week somewhere down at the end, uh, maybe in the middle somewhere. But it just so happens it lands on the front, the front end of the of the schedule. Uh, could be good, could be bad. We, you know, only time will tell. Um, but you know, it's a schedule that's uh, it, it's a competitive schedule, uh, from what we can tell. And no Boise on the on the mm-hmm. schedule this year because everybody is kind of all Boisied out at this moment. <laughs> uh, especially after seeing them so many times in the last two years, <laughs> we could use a break until the championship game, right, Jackson? Yeah. So yeah, they the conference goes on two year cycles with the two divisions. So this year again, Colorado State and uh, Utah State are going to come to town and the Bulldogs will travel to Air Force. They won't have to see Boise, and they also won't see Wyoming nor New Mexico. Um, So that's how it shakes out this year. And, um, you know, the conference, there's not a whole lot of competitors that I see, but probably a, a tough stretch in November when they have to go to Hawaii. They come back home to take on Utah State, who was nearly the champion of the Mountain Division last year. And then they've got to go to San Diego State after that. That's a three-game stretch that could define the conference for this Bulldog team. And in that sense, it's probably nice to have that later in the year. So they've got all their too deep figured out well by then. (laughs) September might be an interesting case. Yeah, so, you know, Fresno State, you know, heading to to Hawaii, that's one game that's virtually out of reach for either Jackson and I to to travel (laughs) to. That's Unless somebody out there is willing to flip the bill for us, hey, we'll be more than happy to go and cover it. <laughs> uh, but uh, things things are a little bit uh, interesting this year, especially you know they get to face Utah State, which was a program that I, I, you know I wish the Bulldogs would have faced them to kind of measure where Utah State was this past season because you know we we didn't get to see them at all this year, and they were one of the top teams, um, but. What do you think about that matchup, Jackson? Is is Utah State still going to be the type of caliber they were last year, or did they lose a lot of pieces? Well, the big thing is they bring back their quarterback, and that's going to be <laughs> half the battle right there. There's not a whole lot of great quarterback play in the Mountain West, and Jordan Love, who is not only 
a solid quarterback who threw for 3,500 yards, 32 touchdowns, and only six interceptions. He's also a Bakersfield native, and he's going to come to Bulldog Stadium with a lot of uh, extra juice for that game. Uh, so that right there is reason enough to be worried about the Aggies. They do go through some turnover, though. Their head coach, Matt Wells, heads off to Texas Tech, and he's replaced by the guy that kind of got Utah State rolling not that long ago with Gary Anderson. He was the head coach before Wells and built the set the stage for Wells to do what he did over the past few years. Uh, Anderson's back after a few, uh, I think it's fair to say, failed stops at <laughs> Wisconsin and Oregon State, but... Uh, he had the recipe for success at Utah State, and um, I expect the Aggies to be probably the most competitive team on this conference slate. Um, the, the West Division was not the best last year. Nevada, who was trending upwards, loses a lot. San Diego State, who's always solid, uh, has going through kind of an identity crisis right now. Sounds like they're going to change things up. And then uh, you look at the trip to Hawaii as a, a potential tough one. Um, the Bulldogs handled them pretty easily this past year, but that trip and that run and shoot offense is always going to make you nervous. Yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they head over to Hawaii because that, like you said, when when these two face each other, you can pretty much throw out the records because uh, they they tend to play up to each other or down to each other, depending on which way you're looking at it. Um, but it is going to be one of those uh, key matchups to watch this season. I'm going to put you on a spot, Jackson. <laughs> After looking at the schedule, who, you know, early prediction, who's going to be in the championship games um, heading in to the end of the season? Yeah, um, I would say I think it's fair to pick Fresno State. I don't think that's a homer pick out of the West Division. Um, As I mentioned, uh, San Diego State, it's usually the team you're worried about. I don't think they're going to be quite the same this year. And the Fresno State Bulldogs have handled them fairly well the last two years. Um, Hawaii is a team that they should be bowl eligible, but I don't think they'll be a, a championship contender. Um, Nevada, I think, may take a step back this year with all the pieces that they're going to lose. So, uh, And I don't see San Jose State or UNLV being much of a factor. So there you go. I think even by default, um, Fresno State's the favorite. And looking at the talent they bring back, they lose a lot of guys. But I think a lot of the replacements that are ready, uh, guys like quarterback Jorge Reina, who in my opinion is not going to be a big drop-off, if assuming he gets the job. So I like Fresno State out in the West. And that Fresno State-Utah State game is going to be big in determining who comes out of the Mountain Division because the Bulldogs can lose that game and still get into the championship game no problem. But uh, Utah State, that that might be a tough one if they lose there because Boise State doesn't have to play the Bulldogs, and uh, that's going to help their path to the Mountain West Championship for a third straight year. Okay, so you're you're going Bulldogs Bulldogs and uh, Boise, huh? Well, yeah, uh, I think that the, I mean, third year in a row. Why not? <laughs> I, I think the only other real contender there is Utah State. I think they're going to be the top three teams again, and um, you know, it just depends if Utah State can knock off the Bulldogs. It's all going to come down to that head-to-head with the Broncos. But um, there's always a an upset that comes along the line. Like we saw Boise State lost to San Diego State this past year, and. Uh, that matchup that Utah State has with Fresno State is going to make the margin for error a lot smaller for the Aggies. Okay, so here's my next question. Who is your dark horse? My dark horse pick. Huh? One that could come out of nowhere that no one could expect. I'd say the one that can come out of nowhere. I would put my money on Colorado State. They only won three games last year, and... They've got a track record now under Coach Mike Bobo for doing less with more. Yeah. <laughs> They've recruited very well. Again, this year they're towards the top of the conference. Uh, Coach Bobo came from the SEC, and they still recruit the South pretty well for uh, Colorado State, which you don't connect those two areas. <laughs> but but um, they have the talent, and they come to Fresno State this year. They'll be in Bulldog Stadium, and I think it was most evident that the Rams, I think they were three and eight, and they take on the Utah State Aggies in the top twenty-five, uh, one of the best programs in the Mountain West. And the Rams got totally robbed from that upset win. They probably should have beat Utah State. There was a very controversial late call, and 
had that gone the other way, Colorado State's got the feather in their cap of beating Utah State, and I think they've got that talent week in and week out, but they just did a very, very poor job implementing it this past year. Coach Mike Bobo went through some health issues but right before the season started, so maybe that played a factor. But, I mean, even if the Rams aren't a contender, they're still one that will have talent when they come to Bulldog Stadium and might make you nervous even if their record isn't very good. Yeah. So, in in you know what? I... I almost agree with everything. I mean, my dark horse was Colorado State. I wanted to see what you were going to say first, uh, but it was Colorado State. And I I, I was thinking oh, championship game, Fresno State, Utah State. I, I'm thinking Boise State, after watching them last year stumble a few times, I, I think they're going to do it again. I think they're going to stumble again this, this year, and I think they're going to lose more than one at home this year. Um uh, maybe even three this year, so I, I, I'm I'm expecting some kind of uh, turmoil to happen in Idaho this season. Um, hopefully, it comes true, but we'll see what happens. Um, that being said, we, you know that's that's it for football this week. Uh, but let's let's touch upon a little bit of basketball. I mean, you got to take in the game last night. Fresno State took on Utah State, uh, another nail biter for the Bulldogs. Uh, what what was your overall opinion about that li- last night's? I believe it was one point loss to mm-hmm. Utah State. What an exciting game that was, and uh, it's bittersweet since the Bulldogs were on the losing end of it. But just as a basketball fan, that was a fun game, and. I know there's a lot of Fresno State fans that didn't feel very well about the officiating. and uh, <laughs> Isn't that always though? Yeah. When Utah State, they get into the, the last couple minutes of regulation, they've only got three or four second-and-a-half fouls. That makes you scratch your head a little bit. But, man, what a game that was. Both teams were just shooting the lights out. Uh, Utah State, you can tell both of these teams are kind of borderline NCAA tournament teams and – uh, for to have two evenly matched teams of that high caliber, you know it's you don't get those every night at the Save Mart Center or year in and year out. So for me, it was a lot of fun. But for Fresno State, uh, they came out on the losing end, and frankly, they're probably pretty fortunate that they split this series. They trailed for almost seventy-five out of eighty minutes between these two combined games, and they split the series. And it's an exact even tie as far as a one-point win and a one-point loss Uh, so that's kind of where things stand there with the head-to-head for the overall standings the Bulldogs really missed out on an opportunity to not only take second place but to have that two-game advantage over the Utah State Aggies who are now in second place themselves instead of the Bulldogs and it also makes life of course difficult for Fresno State uh, to have a route to the tournament outside of winning in Las Vegas later this year in March. So this isn't a loss that uh, Fresno State, I think, will will linger. I think they'll go to UNLV. They should win that game on Saturday, and um, we'll see how things go from there. I don't know. What do you, you know, with the basketball team having some success this season, what's your overall ex- expectations of what the Bulldogs uh, should have moving forward? Yeah, right now they're sixteen and six, seven and three in the Mountain West, and that's far exceeded what my expectations were going into the year. But now we're kind of in a different place where we've seen what this team's capable of and what we should expect from them. Um, they've got to go to Nevada later this month, where the Wolfpack stand at number six in the country right now, and that's probably not going to go too well. But other than that, the Bulldogs should, you know almost be favored in every other game the rest of the way uh, winning all of them consecutively is a, a tough ask but it's going to come down to performance on the road uh, winning at new mexico is never easy winning at san diego state is never easy those are two trips that await them unlv doesn't have the same home court advantage they've had but uh, that's never easy either and then the bulldogs really have to take care of business at home so even if they can get through the rest of the conference, maybe only dropping uh, two games perhaps the rest of the way, they've got eight to go. So if they can win six out of the last eight, that would put them at 22-8 and eight on the year and 13-5 and five in conference play. That's a pretty solid season in my book. Should be good enough to get them third in the Mountain West, which is going to be very important. You do not want to see Nevada in the Mountain West Championship or in the Mountain West tournament until as late as possible. 
and most likely Nevada's going to win the conference, and you want to be seed number two or number three so that you're on the very opposite end of the bracket from the Wolfpack. Yeah, so it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to to watch how the rest of the season plays out. Uh, you know, short of Fresno State winning the remainder of the games during the season, um, what is your overall thoughts and 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 of the Bulldogs' chances of making the the NCAA tournament without actually winning the uh, Mountain West Conference championship? Yeah, it's going to be a, a long shot, and probably the only way that discussion starts to come back is if they can upset Nevada on the road. Um, being the number six team is certainly uh, would be a, a huge deal on their resume. Uh, largely this season, the Bulldogs have taken care of business, but you've got to be really exceptional at currently to be a Mountain West team that makes the NCAA tournament without winning your conference championship game. And uh, Fresno State right now just doesn't make the cut. Um, it's hard to fault them for too many of their losses. I'm sure they wish they had the Colorado State game back, wish they had Utah Valley back. Uh, Utah Valley is not a bad team either, but um, you know, just a few losses away from still being in that conversation. Right now it's just going to be really tough. Um, but what they can do at least is set them up to where if they don't win in Vegas in March, that they'll have an NIT-worthy resume and perhaps even host a game or two if uh, that's where they land. Yeah, and, and if we think back, they uh, they almost had Nevada here at home at one point. Um, it, you know, they kept that game close all the way till the end. Um, had they won that one, the discussion could have been different by now. Um, but you know, they they ended up losing that one, um, and and losing a couple of other key matchups that now are going to make the the Bulldogs on the outside looking in with some help to try and get in without having to you know win the win the Mountain West tournament. Um, but should Nevada not win the Mountain West tournament, which a lot of people are expecting them to win it. If Nevada doesn't win it, they're more than likely still going to have a spot at, at the NCAA tournament, right? So that that could ultimately mean two teams from the Mountain West could ultimately go to the Mountain West championship uh, to the NCAA tournament, right, Jackson? Yeah, right now Nevada is probably a lock for at least a three seed, even if they don't win the the conference tournament. And right now Utah State is right on the bubble of being an at-large team, and their win over Fresno State is going to be big for them <laughs> to make that case. Um, otherwise, it's going to have to take a win in the Mountain West tournament for the, the Mountain West to get that second team uh, or perhaps a third team if the Aggies can get in there. Um, Utah State has now won seven games in a row uh, since Fresno State beat them on their home court last month. So they're building up a pretty decent resume, and they're probably the Mountain West's best shot to get a second team in outside of whoever could knock off Nevada in the, in the Mountain West tournament. All right, so next home game that fans should be looking forward to um, this season here. Yeah, um, the Bulldogs are going to be at home the next three Wednesdays, so mark the calendars for those. Um, You would rather have Saturday games, of course, but that's the way it shakes out. They're home for Boise State uh, next week, then they're home for Air Force, and they're home for Wyoming, and then they close things with the Saturday game at the very end of the regular season schedule versus San Jose State. So four more chances to see the dogs, and um, hopefully fans can squeeze in those Wednesday games into their schedules. Um, last Saturday, the Bulldogs hosted New Mexico in front of 7,600 fans, and last night's Utah State game was just over 5,000. So clearly a, a big drop in terms of uh, fan access on the weekend compared to a late weekday, but and uh, that's just the way it shakes out. And hopefully, fans can adjust over the next three weeks. All right, and so that being said, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up the podcast today. And uh, any other news or anything you want to share with the with the fans out there today, Jackson? Yeah, well, you know, we've got the premium board loaded with the latest information and even recruiting news as it breaks. Uh, Fresno State will have additional scholarships as well as uh, other opportunities to bring in recruits. So even though National Signing Day is today, it keeps on going until fall camp shows up. Where I'm sure there's, I can guarantee you there's going to be more uh, players that are added to this roster, and especially at this time of the year, we're usually all over that and the first and sometimes the only to report those things. And um, otherwise, we'll have plenty of 
content going all through this off season for football fans. So if you're needing some Fresno State uh, reporting and content, you know our premium board is the really the place to be, and um, you know we're all Bulldogs for all year long. And right now, if you're listening still here today on National Signing Day, 24/7 Sports is running a promotion. Uh, you can get your first month if you join for just one dollar. Um, so if you're interested, uh, now is the time <laughs> to check that out. You'll get a whole month for a huge bargain, and you can decide if you want to stick on from there. If you go to our homepage by the end of Wednesday, you will see that story on the front page, and there's a promo code, which is NSD19 uh, at checkout. So just use that code, and you'll get your first month for only a single dollar. So you know, you know, we always like to give out great deals. So you know, now's your chance to take advantage of that and become a premium subscriber. Uh, you will not be disappointed. There's plenty of premium uh, content out there that we provide to the uh, to our premium subscribers that don't get out. That news usually doesn't get out for what a good month sometimes, Jackson, before it gets out to the general public. Yeah, um, you know, again, especially this time of year when Fresno State's not on the forefront of the general public's mind. It's still on the forefront of our mind and a whole lot of Barkboard subscribers' minds, and a lot of that information stays within our website. So really, that's the place you want to be this, uh, all year long, but really this year when there's not much uh, other options, and <laughs> it's a, it's an even better bargain, I would say. Now, you know what they say out there. Some of our fans have already coined the term, uh, the Barkboard is where the news gets its news sometimes so uh, that is true in some cases but it, you know you'll have to find out for yourself by going out there and taking a look at our premium uh, subscription boards uh, and seeing what kind of information we provide uh, to our subscribers that being said uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us if you want to get a hold of Jackson you can find him on Twitter at Jackson Moore 247 um, you can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report and you, you know, as always, you can find us on our boards by our names. Just look for our names and you can send us private messages there as well. If you haven't done so already, head over to the Facebook page, um, barkboard.com uh, Facebook page. Become a member. I think we're, we're getting pretty close to what? 5,000 subscription? Uh, 5,000 likes now, Jackson? Yeah, we're getting there. So we're, we're, we're shooting. That is our goal is to hit 5,000 before the season starts. Uh, and, you know, if you haven't done so, hit over there. Uh, we usually provide some information as to when we post new information on our, our website on the Facebook page. So it's kind of like your first your your first indication of new content on the page, on, on the website. So um, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Join us again next time as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.